everybody out there in podcast land. Hey guys. Drew and Dan here with the Drew and Dan Show. We're back. It's been a while since we've done an NBA pod. Yeah, it's NBA offseason, but it's not the offseason for us. We're here to talk about all our NBA ideas. Guys, as always, this podcast is brought to you by the breakfast burrito at Expatriate. Second to none. One of the best things you'll ever eat. It's Saturday morning, uh, 10 to 2. We're not there right now, and I'm bummed out. Um, Go get it. This podcast is also brought to you by the spirit of Harambe, Harambe the gorilla. We dedicated a pod to Harambe a couple months ago, early on, when we were first starting out, and Dan, I believe that started a movement. I think it did, man. If you look on Twitter, everybody is is uh, repping Harambe these days, and you know, I feel like our pod started it all. Harambe is physically not with us, but his spirit surely lives on. Yeah, his spirit lives on, and it lives on through this pod, if you're wondering yeah. why we just are able to soldier on the way that we do. Mm-hmm. Harambe, <laughs> we salute you. Okay, guys, so today, uh, NBA, it's the off season. Um, Team USC is playing in Reno. I almost said playing in Reno right now, but they're playing in Rio. And uh, we all know how that's going to end up, so... There's, yeah. there's no suspense there, but we, um, and talking about, cause we always talk about the NBA, but we want to be a little more, um, a little more pointed, a little more specific with our pods this summer. So today we're talking about, uh, the issue of tanking yeah. in the NBA and, uh, and we're going to have a guest on in a little bit, uh, our buddy, Brandon Cavender, who is just a, a genius of, of stats and he thinks about this stuff all day and, yeah. and he actually has a solution for tanking. Uh, yeah. so Drew, what, what is tanking really quick in a minute and does there need to be a solution for it? Uh, so obviously tanking is when, um, you intentionally lose games, not by like point shaving or, or like trying to miss shots, uh-huh. uh, cause that's illegal, uh, for gambling purposes. But, um, just by, you know, GMs putting teams together that will just lose games. They won't. They won't win games. You know? Why would you lose games? Uh, you want to lose games so uh, you can make your team better through the draft. Because the worse you do, the better shot you have at a higher draft pick. And people are believing that the best way to build a successful team is not through free agency. Mm-hmm. It's not through signing these guys who, especially now with contracts structured the way they are with all these player options, there's no guarantees that those are going to pan out. Um, so, you know, we've seen some teams have success through free agency, but most teams are building successful teams through the draft. Yeah, um, a great example of that would be the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah. They drafted Kevin Durant, they drafted Russell Westbrook, they drafted James Harden, they drafted Ibaka, and now all those guys except for Westbrook are gone. Yeah. But Although they, a better example might even, because they didn't win, right? But yeah. they were successful, they were a very good team. But a better example might be the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> yeah, that's totally uh, true. Who drafted Steph Curry, they drafted Clay Thompson, mm-hmm. they drafted drafted Draymond Green in the second round and then they the free agent pieces they added when they did win a title and have a historically good 73 win season was they added these kind of KG veterans yeah. at smaller deals that were actually in a secondary unit that filled roles. Sean Livingston, Andre yeah. Iguodala. They added these guys to their team. Not these huge names, but these kind of role players that you know knew their role, didn't demand the ball. You mm-hmm. know, and so um, they were good. They would continue to be good, but they went out and added a massive free agent. But that's and a team that built through the draft. Yeah, and I think if you look at the great teams of the last 20, 30 years, besides maybe the Heat, Besides maybe uh, the Lakers. Uh, well, the Lakers, when they did a lot of their free agent signings, imploded. 
You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's but, both ways for them. But uh, you look at like the Spurs, yeah. uh, all draft. Yeah. Great, uh, dra- great drafts. And yeah. Even when they had one of the best players in the league, David Robinson, mm-hmm. he got injured, and then they managed to draft Tim Duncan. Yeah. That's amazing. So the Spurs were that way. But then you look at a team even like Dallas when they were really good, and even though they had kind of this uh, this rotating door of players, their cornerstone was a guy that they drafted. They drafted Dirk, and then yeah. you, you move back to uh, to the, the early 90s Pistons. Even the Bulls drafted Michael Jordan. So the draft matters, and so, it matters and, and, in a big and, way. Yeah, because teams are finding success through the draft, and it's more long-term sustainable success. Mm-hmm. Even if you're – I think a smaller market team when you draft an elite free agent or I'm sorry, an elite player, yeah, you have a better uh, shot at retaining him and not losing him to free agency because you were his first team. That's his first community, yeah, of fans, you know, and its first experience. And maybe he loves that team. Maybe he loves the fans. Maybe he loves the organization. Whereas. You know, you wouldn't ever have a shot at him later on down the down the road in free agency. Yeah. Uh, Dan, really quick, I think it's true for other sports too. If you okay. look at you know even what what the Dodgers have tried to do for a few years, signing you know all of these huge names at huge contracts, and then not winning them. The Giants drafting not to get too personal, but you know the Giants are drafting Buster Posey and Matt yeah. Baumgartner, Matt Cain, Tim Lincecum, and you know, all these homegrown you know even their infield all the way around from Belt Crawford. They're yeah. drafting all of these key guys. Uh-huh. They have them for a long, you know, under player control, the way baseball works. And they have success through that. And the pieces they add are like these small role players yeah. other than Hunter Pence. But, you know, exactly. even when they won their first couple of titles, it was Cody Ross, Pat Burrell, you know, Marco Scudero, these guys that just play a role. Exactly. Guys. So even other sports, you know, yeah. the draft matters. Um, and building your team through the draft matters. So tanking these teams are trying to not win games mm-hmm. to get better through the draft, and it leaves. Um, in my opinion, Dan, it's a problem because if you're if you're watching a team tank, it's just bad basketball. Okay. Why Why do you want to Why do you want to watch a team tank? What's your incentive to go to a game if you're a fan of a team just to watch them get beat up on? So okay, this is great. I. I agree slightly, but I also disagree. I because I think sports in general are are so much more than, and you know this. I'm not I'm not trying to be condescending or anything, but like sports are more than just talented players on the same court or the same field at the same time. Uh, a great sports team requires great management, great coaching, great ownership, all of the above, right? So so in Philadelphia, because they're kind of the prototype tanking team, Sam Hinkie. Uh, like implemented this plan, which called he called the process, which is basically like we're gonna tank for however long it takes to draft who we think is a superstar. And I think if you look at the Philadelphia fan base, and we everyone else says tanking's horrible because it's horrible for the fans, but Philly fans like loved Sam Hinkie. They loved what he was doing. If you look at the last like two years, fans were making posters, wearing shirts that said "Trust the process." And when Hinkie got fired a few months ago. They were livid, and I think, I think tanking obviously, um, it's obviously an ex, it's exploiting like a sort of loophole in the NBA right. that is like, man, if we're really bad, then we can get like we can get good by being really bad instead of just trying to be good all the time. And I think we look at a team like uh, I think the Mavs are a great example of a team that easily could have tanked a lot of times, but they buckled down and they just are constantly trying to get better. And they're always they're always a great they're always like a playoff team, but.
but they're never really going to be that championship caliber team. And so for me, Drew, because this is a little where our teams are on opposite ends of the the hierarchy of great basketball teams. Um, Warriors, Lakers. Warriors, Lakers. Lakers were just awful last year. Probably won't have a great season this year. But so to me, knowing that we have a top three draft pick, probably I I'm more okay with us having a horrible team because the anticipation of drafting a potential superstar like fuels me. And I think for Philadelphia, the fans the last couple of years have looked at their teams and they're like, man, we have, we have a terrible team, but there's like this excitement, this anticipation of drafting potential. And I think it's almost like, you know how like Christmas, like the whole Christmas season is almost better than Christmas day itself. Cause the anticipation is better than having that actual thing. And so for me, I had more fun last year, I think, watching the Lakers than a, te- a team like when they had Dwight and they got that eighth seed. Like I know like that's more grueling to me to to have a team that's like almost there and I know isn't going to win than a team I know is going to be horrible but potentially good in the future. I, yeah, I get I get I totally understand your point, Dan. Totally yeah. get it. I I don't I don't agree with it because um you know, I just don't. I just don't like watching bad basketball. That's literally what it comes down to. I don't yeah, like I guess it's true. Bad basketball. So the race. So I believe me. You know, the excitement on draft day is an awesome thing. The Warriors really haven't been in a position for like that, like number one pick in like a long time. And they, you know, I can't even remember when the last time they had number one. They like they drafted Weber. Actually, they drafted. Like he was like Penny. They drafted Penny Hardaway. Like traded him for Weber. Yeah, he was yeah. like th- third overall or something. But. Um, that, but that Christmas Day excitement, you know, I can imagine, like, what that is like, you yeah. know, and then it's kind of like, man, is this guy going to pan out? But um, but the, I guess I'm just talking – so the draft day excitement anticipation is awesome, but during the season, that race to the bottom – I mean, do mm-hmm. you remember last season when the Lakers played the Sixers? Dude. It was like both teams, like, yeah. shouldn't have – like, they, you know, but you know both, you know, owners are rooting for their teams to lose. Yeah. The kind of funny thing is – Players don't tank. No, right? no, no. Because players have to get paid based on performance. And they're yeah. trying to play for future contracts. Well, we look at the Lakers beat the Warriors last yeah. year. The the most... No, I remember. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm not saying that as like... Well, of course the Lakers like aren't yeah. better than the Warriors. Yeah. But those young dudes like want to win. Yeah, they want to play. Yeah, dude, that dude was launching threes. D'Angelo? D'Angelo was launching threes. And the Warriors were like, who, who is this dude? Yeah. So I think tanking is an idea. It's obviously it obviously promotes bad basketball, but I don't think it's bad as long as like there's the ability to tank. I think it's actually like like sort of uh, I don't know, sort of smart managing. Well, right? as long as the loophole exists, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, but my big deal is I, the product on the floor. I'm not gonna watch yeah. bad teams play bad yeah. basketball. I'm not gonna pay. To, for bad to, to see bad teams play bad basketball, so I agree it's with just that. A waste of, it's just a waste of time, and the fact that they have to play out the season, mm-hmm. you know, it just is a waste of everyone's mm-hmm. time. And people that go to the game, I feel bad, you know. So yeah, like kids going to the game. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is just yeah, this is bad. So final, uh, we're talking more than I thought we would on this intro, but but so final thing, would you rather? Because again, speaking as a as a fan of a team that. I don't know if the Lakers intentionally tanked or they're just like really bad. They're probably a little bit of both. No, they definitely intentionally tanked. And it was Kobe's farewell tour. Yeah. But uh, like I didn't, 
I didn't really have a problem with them being so bad. And, and I think something I realized about myself as a fan last year was I would rather have a team that was just horrible, like one of the worst three teams in the league, and potentially have a chance of getting a good draft pick than a middle-of-the-pack team. What, what, would you, what would you rather have, like a, a Denver Nuggets, Utah Jazz type of squad, or like Sixers, Lakers, Timberwolves? Well, oh, leave Timberwolves out of it because they're going to be awesome. Yeah, Forget well, I said that. Well, yeah, that's a team that's actually gotten those draft picks. And, yeah, exactly. And, uh, made a great trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, man, uh, tough. Qu- I actually think Utah is a really good team once the pieces come together. I think they have the pieces now to be really good. Denver's horrible. Um, Phoenix is horrible. Um, and, yeah, not maybe not getting better through the draft right now. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, You'd really have to have one of the bottom two teams, like rock bottom teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I guess to answer your question, Dan, I wouldn't really want to be in either boat. Uh, the Warriors are often in that, you know, before this latest run, is in that middle ground. Yeah. But they're still, I don't know, I feel like they're always competitive. I think, I think the Warriors have always thrown like, guys out there that are just balling mm. out, and they're just, Super fun, yeah, and the thing we haven't really talked about, which sort of destroys both of our arguments, is a ton of the NBA is luck, man. The draft because you can't. Yeah. We haven't seen a team successfully have a great team from just tanking. We haven't seen a team have a successful season in a while, anyways, from strictly free agency. Yeah. It requires both. It requires and both. Uh, the Timberwolves might pull it off. Yeah, we'll see if they can, but they're going to need a guard, which we've talked about. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. So that's that's the that's kind of the context of what we're talking about, and and we've got a, a good friend of mine from the Bay Area. We've had him on before, Brandon Cavender, about to come on to share his solution, his proposed solution. Yeah. To tanking. Let's hear what he's got to say. Okay, so uh, once again, we are fortunate to have all the way from the Bay Area uh, calling in Brandon Cavender back on the show. Hey, Brandon. And, hey, guys. And uh, Brandon, as you may remember, on the day of the Kevin Durant trade, uh, or Kevin Durant signing, also called the Zaza Pachulia signing, like, hours before it happened, when nobody else was even speculating that. Brandon, I hope you're going to drop another uh, just Woj bomb on us today. <laughs> a, pre-woj, a pre-Woj bomb. So, so uh, I, w- I would never uh, compare my sources to, to Woj sources because they're basically just me scrolling Twitter to find things that have other people. But, so, um, so Brandon, for several years, has actually been working on a solution uh, to the issue of tanking. And um, we've been talking about this for a long time. He's been sharing his ideas with me for, for a while. And uh, we just wanted to have him on the show to, to maybe give what might be a legitimate solution to the tanking problem in the NBA. Yeah, Brandon, the floor is yours. Uh, okay, thanks, guys. I will uh, try and break this down in as uh, uh, accessible of a way as possible. I think to really understand kind of a, an approach to repairing tanking, um, we have to kind of look at the idea of why teams do it in the first place. So uh, right now, the way that the uh, draft and the way that the, um, the NBA playoff system is structured, um, there's very little incentive to uh, be in what's called the sort of the, the, the messy middle uh, of, of, the, of, of the, the rankings of, of, your, of your, your record at the end of the season. So right. So if you're if you're a really great team, you know, awesome. You're in the playoffs and and you're 
you're doing really well. If you are, um, if you are uh, really bad, you have a great opportunity to improve your team dramatically through very high draft picks. Um, if you're in this middle space, you're really it's very it's very difficult to get over that hump. And so teams uh, basically try and put them in the best, best position to be successful, um, not through incremental improvement. Uh, but through through dramatic improvement. Yeah. So, high draft high draft picks either mean uh, over a couple seasons mean uh, two things. One, you get really great young players to assemble around your team, um, or you get really great uh, draft picks that you can then use to trade for for great talent. So, I mean, give my look to the Celtics right now as well. The Celtics are getting better incrementally, but what's going to happen? I mean, especially knowing the way Danny Ainge. Uh, runs his team is he's going to look to make a dramatic uh, move with with his assets to quickly uh, put them not just into a being competitive in the East but being uh, competitive to compete for a championship very soon. That's just how how he plays. That's how he how he works. Um, so and and that's just how how teams are are currently encouraged to to uh, build their teams. And it, you know, it makes sense. It, it's frustrating as a viewer because. After the trade deadline, um, it becomes pretty clear how how the rest of the season is going to going to shake out, and so teams in the middle are 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 just encouraged by their own um, own internal logic to not put the best players on the floor because why bother? You, you know, yeah. it's clear you're not going to be in, in, in the position for the playoffs. Um, Okay, so Brandon, to recap, the middle the middle is bad, and teams are either good. You know, and there's no incentive to be a middling team. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, so my my thought process is how do you how how might you take an approach that could um, encourage more incremental improvement all the way through the entire entire structure? Yeah. How could you uh, make every single regular season game continue to be exciting for fans? And how could you then make the the rest of you know, the trade deadline? Um, the off season uh, and the playoffs exciting. So my, yeah. my proposal, Brandon, that's a good question, is, right? I, I didn't even think about the fact that games, you know, late in the year, they're meaningless games between meaningless teams. Yeah. Like, like, and well, as a fan, not only that, but also teams that are really good have an easier path to continuing to be good. You know, right. depending on how the schedule is. Yeah. You know, if you, if you're if you're a really good team, you, you can you can kind of pencil in wins. Yeah. Just because you're going to be playing teams that are are literally not going to be putting the best their best players on the floor, so it, it's it, it's it's an interesting conundrum, and I, you know it, it really does you know make you know the, the latter part of the the season just not as exciting as as a viewer. So Brandon, um, really quick, give us uh, for the listeners, give us an example of a team that. Uh, that has both tanked and then an example of like a, a middle of the pack team that you're sort of tar- talking about, just so we have something tangible to go on. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, well, I mean, the, the clearest example of a team that tanked over the last several years is the Sixers. I mean, they, they've had they, they've had four years of of uh, I, I forget what the, I think the plan or you know trust trust uh, the process. Hinky. The process, what they call it. Uh, yeah, Sam Hinky. I mean. And they were the, the difference. The only difference with the, the Sixers is they were explicit with that strategy. You yeah. know, most most teams uh, 
most teams are, are not as uh, are, are a bit more are a bit more uh, uh, politically diplomatic when they discuss the strategy. Oh, we're you know we're all about trying to get better over time and stuff. But, right. but um, also, also, you know, Brandon, I mean, they're they, not they even were, they're not even doing that good of a job of it. <laughs> <laughs> they draft. I mean, well, I mean, they I mean, got bit a little bit by it. They yeah. drafted Embiid. They got Simmons, bro. <laughs> okay, so that I, that worked out. For I, them. I've heard uh, that Embiid is uh, looking amazing. Yeah, finally uh, and, Embiid be, might, might be healthy, but who knows? And Okafor is a, just a personal train wreck. You know, just going to bring everyone down around him. So I mean, right. Even well, that strategy, and, 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 you know, it can bite you. This is the risk that you take, right? I mean, so even you know, it's it's not a it's not a uh, it's, it's not like the NFL where your your draft pick is slotted against your record directly. You know, it's, it's more about you know they just still do you know ping pong balls in the lottery where you just have the most, so you have, you have the best opportunity to get to to win that number one pick. But in general, what you're getting is is high as high draft picks as possible because yeah that that. It's, 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 I mean, before you know what the players are going to be, it's, it's a chip. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a piece to move. It's, 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 yeah. a, chess, it's a chess piece, right? So uh, essentially you're putting all your chips on potential instead of like right now, right? right. You're, you're cashing in right. all your chips on potential, which in theory yeah. could be good, but it doesn't always work out. Okay, so Sixers. Yeah. So a couple examples of teams kind of in the middle of the last couple of years. Uh, Milwaukee. Milwaukee has been a very exciting team. Yeah. Um, but they've never really been able to quite make, you know, get, uh, put all the, all the pieces together. I think they were an eighth seed in the East last year. But, but every year there's, uh, there's this long athletic team and they've got all this talent. And, uh, you know, um, look, look how amazing Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, I believe the third class name, is, is going to be. Freak. Um, He's, he's incredible. I watched yeah. him go coast to coast in four steps. And I was just about to say, it, like, floated across the court. It was incredible. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think Utah is another example of, of kind of being just right right around the edge of the playoffs. And, you know, maybe for someone like that, it, it's being getting into the playoffs is, is great. But it's, you know, once you're down into, like, the Denver, New Orleans, uh, area, uh, Milwaukee, Orlando. You know, it's you're you're just below 500 for, for several years, and it's hard to uh, it's it's hard to see the pathway to you know what are we going to make of these teams? How are they going to get better? Um, and and what kind of what kind of way would we be able to encourage that and, and also make the rest of the season exciting? So I can kind of get into my my, yeah. my thought process of what what might be a be an approach. So Go right now, it. right now, you know, it's it's basically you're encouraging losing to put yourself in the best position to get a, a draft pick. Um, my my thinking is, you know, what one thing that the NBA really is good at is self promotion, right? I mean, they're the best at managing. I think they're the best at managing the brand of, of the, the major sports uh, sports franchises, um, the sports leagues. Um, so my thinking is. Why not build excitement around the the position of getting your um, getting into, into this, this draft situation of these teams? So yeah. um, my my thought is, you know, we have right now we have one set of of playoffs in the, the NBA playoffs. They're, they're incredibly exciting. Um, they're amazing to follow along. My my thought is, why not have two? So okay. you would have 
your standard NBA draft or your standard NBA playoffs for all of your um, all, all of your, you know, your your great teams that are competing for a championship. Um, why not create a secondary playoffs for all the teams that are competing against each other for the best position in the draft in the following season? Interesting. So it could be a, it could be a bit shorter. Uh, it it could be um, it, it could go on the nights that the um, that the, the you know, on the off nights when the NBA playoffs aren't happening, maybe the, the secondary playoffs come, come along. Uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what the schedule might be, but the idea is that all of the teams that are sort of out of out of the main um, out, out of the main the main playoffs would be competing against each other, and in in a in a, a seeded tournament, and the winner would get the number one draft pick, and and the seeding for the draft would go against the secondary playoffs. Um, so, Brandon, uh, that's really instead of having meaningless games at the end of the season for these teams, they're actually uh, going to compete in a tournament-style playoff. Right. Well, and also every you know every regular season game matters for them because they are um, they're competing for you know the secondary award. You know, it's kind of I, I you know I think it's it's kind of like the the. You know, in in the World Cup games, you have like that secondary, like, oh, you didn't you didn't quite win the World Cup, but you know, you're in the secondary tournament or the the secondary uh, game that that's also exciting. You know, you're competing for this, you know, this this other thing. Um, but the the idea is that um, during the regular season, teams would be less incentivized to uh, to lose because there's actually uh, something something on the line, something at stake, yeah. um, and you know, maybe there's Maybe for the players, you know, there's there's some sort of a secondary, uh, you know, money bonus, right? So they're incentivized to want to go after two. You know, I mean, that that would be the the deals with the players' association would be huge. But yeah, um, yeah, interesting. I, but I think it would be a, a couple things. One, um, it would it, it would make teams in the middle uh, incentivized to keep getting better and you know take advantage of. Of that incremental improvement, because if, if you're if you're pretty decent, you know a couple things can happen. You're either making the playoffs or you are, um, you know, getting a really high draft pick to get even better. Um, if you're at the very bottom, you are, in, you know, you're really kind of required to get better because you know it's, there'd be nothing worse than kind of almost like a relegation, right? So yeah. you're working hard to to improve. Uh, I think it makes the trade deadline really interesting because, you know, right right now, you know, maybe maybe a, a team towards the bottom decides, oh, we're going to actually go after, you know, this uh, disgruntled veteran over here that wants out of their current situation. Uh, to, you know, so they can get a fresh look, um, and and we're going to bring them onto our team because we think they can help us uh, get better. Uh, to be, you know, to compete in this playoff, you know, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and so what what it what it does is, is it takes out that incentive to just bottom out, right? So it, it's incremental improvement is rewarded up and down the entire entire league. Interesting. Uh, okay, I Brandon, I love it. And everybody loves playoffs. Yeah, exactly. It it immediately makes the uh, post regular season way more way more exciting for every single fan base right because 
every fan base in the NBA has something to root for, uh, whether or not your team's in the playoffs or in whatever this other tournament would be. Are you thinking yeah. that this tournament would be more NCAA style, like single elimination, or as it gets further, like kind of expand the series? Or uh, what are you thinking with that? I, I think you'd probably have to make it shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I I can't imagine that the players' association would um, w- would willingly uh, you know allow every single player to go through, you know, an 82-game season and then, you know, at the, at the same grueling playoff that, that these other these other other teams that actually are competing for championships are going for. So, so maybe I mean, you shorten the season a little bit, Brandon. I mean, that might be a separate problem, but maybe you got to shave some games. Yeah, I, and that's, that's maybe – that might be something that happens, which, I mean, I think could probably be better for the, for the league all around anyway, um, especially for the players. Um, so yeah, I, I think for this kind of playoff, you probably need to uh, change the structure a bit. I don't think that people would be as incentivized to go super, super, you know, to, to really make a big charge um, for because the, the stakes on the line are, are more beneficial to the teams, obviously, than, play, than the players. So mm-hmm. um, you know, but but I think some sort of, of playoff structure, some sort of, of incentive to the players for for you know for winning. Um, and probably, yeah, definitely shorter than than the, the regular playoffs. But I, you know, I, I think it could be exciting. Yeah, man, I love that idea. Uh, I love it for it, it. Just makes every team have to rethink their strategy. It makes every, like you said, every regular season game for the most part uh, like competitive again, and, and that's great. Uh, yeah. Do you think it, so? If you added this tournament, you look at a team like Denver or like Sacramento, like those middle-of-the-pack teams, do you think it increases the amount of, like, really short contracts signed by veterans? Like, like let's say that this um, this idea that you just brought to us was implemented, like, last year or whatever. You look at, like, a Luol yep. Dang, like, he's probably, like, do you think that that switches to, like, a, a single-year contract or, like, a Joe Johnson type, like, people like that? Do you think you'd see them signing more one-year contracts and bumping around to give those teams uh, an edge just in the tournament or would you see I don't know would you would you see a shift to more long-term contracts um I I don't know how it would affect um affect that completely I think it's possible that maybe some of those those teams that are kind of in in that middle or kind of uh, on, on the on the edge of being being good or going from one place to another might Maybe do something like to uh, be more incentivized to you know, maybe pay a larger contract for okay. a single year to bring somebody in, right? So yeah. maybe maybe a player that is you know decent, like you know Joe Johnson can, can still play. I you know I just, it, you know you wouldn't want to give him you know that twenty million dollar contract, right? Um, right. Four years. I mean, I mean, maybe this this offseason you would because that's just how how crazy it was. But yeah. Um, but but yeah, you might you might see things like that. I don't I don't know what all the implications would be, um, especially around the contract side. But um, I just think that the idea of every team being being encouraged. It's really really every league, every office, every, every front office being encouraged to uh, find ways to intelligently improve um, over time. 
yeah. and not just kind of go to this pathway of being really, really great or really, really bad. Um, just make sure about a league yeah. overall. And that's ultimately what you know, the objective is that you'd be, you'd be authoring to or something like this. So, Brandon, um, do you think there's a danger in a team that, let's say, they're like just stuck in a small market and uh, nobody really wants to go there. Um, just getting kind of trapped in this system of not able to improve and just getting – they can't compete in the secondary tournament. They can't get a, you know, free agent signings that make them competitive. Um, and so they, <laughs> they really can't get the draft picks they need. Um, so they're kind of just stuck in this really bad cycle. I'm trying to think Yeah, of, I think I think this tournament – sorry, I don't know if you're going to say something, Brandon, but uh, – No, no, go ahead. I think this tournament – almost helps teams like that like you look at a team and i could be totally wrong but let's use oklahoma city they just re-signed russell westbrook let's say that they're like hovering around like the eight seed they they know they're going to get bounced in the playoffs what if they just move down into that tournament they would clean up in that tournament i feel yeah, like yeah so that's what i mean though i'm not talking about they're almost like a middling team without yeah Durant, but they're actually still pretty competitive yeah uh, i'm thinking more like uh you know Let's take Milwaukee, like, uh, or I don't know, um, you know, yeah, like a Charlotte type team. Yeah, I think the problem you're talking about though isn't like a tanking. It, it's just like a mar. I don't know, a market issue. It's a market issue, but um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess you know maybe even Philly. Let's take Philly. They can't really get it together. Yeah. Um, and nobody wants to really go to Philly when you can just go to New York or Brooklyn. Um, but I don't know. You don't think they could get stuck in that kind of... I don't know. What do you What system? do you think, Brandon? I think there's always that risk. Um, it might... Uh, I, I mean, I, I think it, it, that you're, you're, that's, that's certainly the risk, but I, I think... I would need to think about that a little bit more to really, Phoenix, really take, unpack like, that. Like Phoenix, you know, like a team like LA, they'll always be able to sign talent. Yeah. Even when they're bad, people yeah. want to go to LA. Like Mozgov and Dang. <laughs> You're totally right, dude. <laughs> so I mean, theoretically, yeah. people are going to want to at least like it's a desirable place to live. Yeah, it's interesting. But uh, it, yeah, and you might be able to structure it that maybe it's like the the top eight picks go. You know, go to the the seating of the tournament. And the rest of it, you know, it's just based on record or something. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. I just, well, you know, I guess eventually, I, I think, eventually, Brandon, like you know, teams that do well in the secondary tournament, they're going to move up. Like that's the idea, right? They're not going to always be right. just cleaning up draft picks. They're gonna, yeah, they're gonna if they if these picks pan out, they're going to be moving up. Or if the picks don't yeah, pan out, it's always be, you're going to have more kind of resetting mm-hmm. during in that in that middle. Brandon, what do you think about? I I think it was. Simmons who had this idea but like so so staying to that tournament structure but if you can't like get out of that tournament in three years or something you like forfeit your draft pick do you think that's too harsh or do you think that makes it even more interesting Hmm. like you like you penalize being bad instead of like not not rewarding being bad so Simmons I think was uh, modeling a bit of the um of like uh, Champions League uh, structure where sure. um, you get to where you have kind of a, yeah you do relegation right so you 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 have to get you're uh, you're basically invited to to compete or you're you're kind of kicked out if you're not good enough right 
that a bit more. But sure, I sure. think those are all. I think every team in Champions League is basically a private club. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, and and Brandon, I mean, maybe the answer to even that question and my question, like tying them together, and maybe the solution is there's just too many teams in the NBA. Well, I mean, you know, we we could certainly uh, look look at that. Uh, although I think our friend our friend Nate Bishop might might dispute that a bit. <laughs> well, that's yeah. what I mean, right? A city like Seattle doesn't have a team, but some of these other cities just like I mean, I don't know. But that's yeah. part of the I mean, I, I think. Part of that small market conversation. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's, there's there's an argument. Although, if you look at the talent pool that's in the in the NBA right now, it's never been better, at least that I can remember. Yeah. I mean, there's there's yeah, there's so many more. Uh, if you just look at, I mean, I I could start naming off the amount of like great players, and I I I, just, I don't know when I'd be able to stop. There's just yeah, there's more right. talent available to be spread across the teams. I think there, but you know, there is probably a, a legitimate. Uh, question to ask around, you know, whether Milwaukee is the best um, city for uh, for an NBA team. Yeah, um, or Salt Lake City, <laughs> Sacramento. Sacramento, get well, them out. Just send the Blazers <laughs> to Seattle for crying out loud. <laughs> Drew, you're going to piss off so many people. <laughs> uh, Just kidding. Man. Sort of. Brandon... I know you got a busy weekend, uh, man. We really, really appreciate you coming on the pod. Uh, it I always learn a ton just like listening to you talk about stuff like this. So we appreciate you coming yeah, on, Brandon, all the way from the Bay Area. We appreciate you dropping knowledge and fixing the NBA. Well, um, I'll I'll really appreciate my commission check from Adam Silver whenever he he discovers yeah. the pod <laughs> and and decides. You know what? That's a great idea. And the Drew and Dan podcast becomes the official podcast of the NBA. <laughs> Adam Silver, you guys were the vehicle for fixing everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Brandon, we appreciate it, man. We'll, uh, Thank you guys. Really appreciate it. We'll I'm have... off to uh, go see the A's and Cubs play. Hey. Fun. Have fun, man. Yeah. Who's pitching tonight? Thank you. Uh, I don't know, actually. Okay. Uh, Arietta. It's oh. Arietta versus Sunny Gray. I think. Dude, there we go. Nice matchup. Oh. That'll be a great time. Yeah. I'm excited. Alright, talk to you later, Brandon.